Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. I'm going to be sharing on five levels of leadership. Leadership is going to be a big part of, because uh, the way you really grow a church is you grow leaders, you multiply leaders. You know, it's not through addition, it's through multiplication. So the next phase of this church is really about multiplication. And that's really what's um, on our agenda. And, you know, you, there are certain things you can't just jump into. You can't just, you can't take a, a newborn believer and, and, and give them leadership training. They're not ready for it. You have to understand that. They're not ready for it. Or they'll grab the principles, but they'll blow themselves out of the water because the cr- character isn't formed yet. Because when it comes to leadership training, there's three pillars or three dimensions of leadership growth and what you need to understand is everyone can be a leader because you know we have the common mentality that certain people are born as a leader you know and and we we see them that way because usually uh it's because you know maybe they're very outgoing and kind of they have that charismatic personality or kind of that attractive personality they're very vocal and so you know and 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 they find it to where you know people what's going on Huh? Oh, okay. Um, I thought I said something wrong. Don't don't do that to me. No, I'm just teasing. Um, so, anyways, before I was distracted by the peanut gallery here in the front row, um, but um, you know, and we we tend to think that only certain people can be leaders because of just their personality. But leadership is not based on personality. Leadership, the number one. The number one dimension of leadership is character, character formation. And we know that everyone needs to have the character of God, Christ-like character formed on the inside of them. So character growth is leadership growth. Your leadership will only as grow as much as your character grows. The moment your character is not growing anymore, especially the areas of your character where God's been trying to work on, and if you don't allow the Holy Ghost to work on your character, then you won't grow and you won't grow into the, the role of leadership that God has ordained for your life. Because I believe that every Christian at a certain, to a certain you know, um, level of influence or a certain uh, um, uh, circle of influence is a leader. We're all leaders. I mean, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And so we are to be leaders. We are to lead people. Just the fact that we are to lead souls to Christ, that's leadership in the most basic definition. You know, so with your life, with the way you live, every Christian is to be an example, role model, and a leader, and a witness. That's what it means to be a witness. A witness is a leader because you're leading people, you're influencing lives because leadership in its most basic definition is influence. Amen? Say this after me. Leadership in its most basic definition is influence. Obviously, the drug dealer around the, down the street is a leader as well because he's influencing people. The mafia, you know, you, so they have an influence. Everybody has a level of influence, whether evil or good. And we are to be good influence on people, Christ-like character, you know, and, um, and to, to reflect the, the nature of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. People should be able to look at you and see Christ, see Jesus. And that should attract them because if, if the world could truly see Jesus as he really is in Christians, they would be attracted. You know, what pushes people away is... Christians that are not walking the walk and don't have 
godly character and Christians who are religious. That's repulsive. It's not attractive, right? So character is, is the, the most important dimension of, of leadership. And if you think about it, you know, before every house is built, any building is built, you first build a foundation. And we don't see the foundation because it's under the ground, but that's character. That's what holds everything up. And foundations are never fancy and, and you know, fancy looking. They're rough looking, but they have to be strong, right? You know, uh, you can make the house beautiful, marbled and fancy and all kinds of ornaments, you know, whatever's on the outside. But if the character, what's underneath isn't right, it's going to crumble down because you're building on sand instead of building on the rock. So building on the rock, building your life and your ministry and your family, your business, everything has to be built on the rock of character. Character is, of God is what holds you together. So character and developing the fruit of the Spirit in your life, that's what's most important. And, and we realize that. So if character growth is the number one aspect of leadership growth, then we know that everyone needs to, all of us need to grow in our characters. And nobody's born Christ-like from the womb. You know, we all grow into into these things. So character is very important in leadership formation. And your leadership will only grow and be as effective as your character grows and your character reflects Christ-like character. Bad character is going to be a bad influence on people. You know, bad character is going to sabotage your life, your ministry, your family, your business, everything, because it's the foundation. The second aspect or second dimension of leadership development is skills skills and talents and we realize that skills and talents are to be developed and acquired so we can see right there that so don't say well i don't think i can ever be a leader yes you can if you grow in godly character and if you begin to develop skills and talents and gifts okay and of course there are natural gifts and there are supernatural gifts so everybody's going to have a different kind of you know we're going to have different natural gifts some some people sing, some people don't. Some people have a, just a natural talent for music. Others have a natural talent for something else. Some, somebody likes gardening, somebody likes fishing, somebody likes... So, you know, there's different things. Somebody's more, you know, um, literary. Others are more engineering mind. So, you know, the way that your makeup is the way God designed you, you're going to have some natural tendencies, natural skills, natural talents, and they need to be developed and used for the glory of God. Amen. You know, so that they can influence people in the right way. And then, of course, there are spiritual gifts that come by the anointing. And we know that anointing is to be acquired. Anointing is not taught. It's caught. And, and the, the fire of God has to come on your life. The Lord has to anoint you because the anointing is the supernatural equipment to get the job done, right? So, so, the, so by, by just the fact that when you get anointed and you start moving in the power of God, you're going to become a major influencer. But if you don't have the character, then you're going to use the anointing for your own personal gain. And the same anointing that can, think about this, the same anointing that can build up is the same anointing that can destroy. Think about the man that touched the Ark of the Covenant, which was the glory of God. It killed him because he was unclean. The only ones that were allowed to touch it really in the right way were the priests. They had to first cleanse themselves. They had to be holy. So think about that. You know, so the same anointing that can come and bring healing, think about it. I mean, Paul is, 
Paul is ministering, people are getting blind eyes are being, think about this, blind eyes are being opened. But one day, there is a sorcerer trying to block his ministry, and that same anointing that opened the blind eyes made the sorcerer blind. See that? How do you think the man became blind? By the anointing. It, it was a supernatural intervention of God. So the anointing actually brought judgment on the sorcerer. Think about that. So that same anointing that can open blind eyes is the same anointing that can make an evil man's eyes blind. So the anointing that can heal can also become the anointing that can bring judgment. So, um, you know, so think about those things. So the anointing has to be applied in the right way. The gifts of the Spirit have to be cultivated in our lives. And the Bible tells us that the root of everything is what? Love. Love. Love is the motivation behind everything we do in ministry. The gifts of the, you don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit so you can build a big ministry and have a big name and, and everybody knows you. You have to operate in the gifts of the Spirit so that you can release the love of God on people. Amen. So love has to be the motivation. And, and we know that love is the first fruit of the Spirit. So that's character. So if your character isn't right, your heart's not right, that anointing will become corrupted and tainted. Think about Lucifer. He was an anointed cherub. But what happened? He corrupted his anointing. He corrupted his wisdom. Now he uses his anointing. Think about it. I mean, he has power. He has spiritual power, does he not? He can also do signs, wonders, and miracles or supernatural things. Pharaoh's uh, magician's staffs also turned into snakes. Amen. Sorcerers and witch doctors also perform supernatural acts by demonic power. So there is a power. There is a spiritual power that Lucifer, the light bearer, was given. But then he turned, he corrupted, and he turned it into being an angel of light, a deceiver. He uses his wisdom to corrupt and to deceive. So think about that. So gifts, talents, that's the second. So character formation is the first pillar. Second pillar of uh, leadership growth is skills and talents and there are natural talents like communication skills writing skills organizational skills time management skills you know i was talking with one of the one of our brothers in the church and he was telling me pastor i've got to get my time management down that's one reason why i'm not really seeing the breakthrough that i need to i've got a lot but i'm not managing my time well help me with it see because you it's something you have to develop organizational skills the disciplines and these are all things that need to be cultivated nobody's born with these things so don't think well i can't be a leader no if you grow in these areas you can be a very good healthy effective leader amen and then the third area the third and final pillar of leadership is strategy you have to have strategy to lead you have to have vision to lead and of course that vision has to come from heaven we know there's demonic vision out there. Look at the World Economic Forum. They have a plan. And they openly speak about it. And, and they don't even back down from it anymore. And then you look at the politicians and these others. But we have to have a heavenly vision. We have to have a heavenly mandate. We have to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is going to lead us. And see if the Spirit of God is leading you. Think about this. So who is the leader? Holy Ghost is the leader in your life. If, if, listen, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, you can't lead anybody else. And we got a lot of people out there who want to be leaders, but they're not led by the Spirit. And how are they going to lead people? They lead them into, in the flesh. And when they, you sow into the flesh, what happens? From the flesh, you get corruption and destruction. They make a mess of things. We got a big mess in the church world because of carnality and people leading from the flesh and selfish ambition or, or, or you know, whatever you deal with, you know, or... Uh, you know, like I said, 
selfish ambition and, 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 and greed or people merchandise the anointing, selfish gain. The Bible warns about these things, right? It talks about elders. They should not be seeking after filthy lucre or selfish gain or they should not be merchandising the anointing. They should never use their positions to, to manipulate or to, for selfish gain. But you have a lot of people that creep into the church world and manipulate people for their own glory. And, and instead of giving God the glory, they receive the glory. And these are all dangerous things that we see. And because of these failures of leadership, this leadership crisis that we're in, the church doesn't move forward like it should. The lack of vision, the lack of unity, the lack of spiritual maturity. These are all things that hinder the church and hinder Christians and from us moving forward to accomplish the mandate of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So I want to speak to you tonight about five levels of leadership. Five levels of leadership. Let's first go to... Um, Jessica doesn't have scriptures because I don't really give her scriptures, but uh, I'll just read it. It's, it's fine. Mark 3, 14. Mark 3, 14. Then he, that's Jesus, appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. You know what? Everybody wants to see the part, send them out to preach. But they, all, they missed the first part. He called them to be with him. You understand me? That's where everything starts. You got to be with somebody you got to be with somebody that's further than you are. you got to be with somebody where you're going to be submitted to, right? you got to be submitted under leadership before you can go and try to be a leader. we got a lot of people running around out there trying to be leaders, but they've never really learned to submit to leadership. They have no leadership in their lives. The Holy Spirit's not their leader, and other, obviously, anointed leaders, Jesus, the anointed one, called them to be with him first. He had to, he had to train them. Right? He had to teach them, train them, rebuke them, <laughs> correct them. You know, I mean, they were fighting for positions. One of them wanted to sit on his right. The other one wanted to sit on his left. They were fighting for positions. Right? And then right after that was the, the time when they couldn't cast the lunatic spirit out of the boy. And then they come to Jesus and, and the father comes to Jesus. And, well, why? Your disciples, look, they couldn't cast the, the lunatic spirit out of my boy. And then Jesus rebukes them, and then, and then he says, this one comes out with prayer and fasting. And then Jesus casts out that lunatic spirit from the boy. But what was he saying to the disciples? The, the reason you can cast that spirit out, because you are fighting over position. You're all in the flesh. You need to go fast, pray, put the flesh under, and become spiritual people so that you can actually have spiritual power. So that's very interesting. You've got to connect those two stories. Um, so Jesus called them to be with him first. He called them to come under his leadership to where they could be trained, right? To where they could be developed and they could be uh, instructed and they could gain experience. And because there's four different dimensions of training. It's not just always instructional. That's actually only, I would say, 25% of training is actually instructional. The other part is experiential right and then you got to go experience things relational side of it there has to be relation amen and then there's the spiritual side of it you can get a lot of instructions but if it's not developing your spirit so there's a lot of things that happen in 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 training 
that's one reason why you know we do not support having a bible school outside of a local church i believe that any kind of biblical training should be done within the confines and accountability of a local church you know you can't just separate people from a local church put them on campus somewhere and teach them ministry from books and professors that have never done anything in ministry they're just a bunch of professors but they have never done any ministry they have a bunch of head knowledge in textbooks but they've never done anything people teaching church planting who never planted a church in their life people teaching revival who never had a revival in their life people teaching evangelism who never led one soul to the lord you know the best the best soul winner uh, soul winning trainer is the, the greatest soul winner amen i'm not going to take somebody who's never led one soul to the lord and put him in charge of outreach or soul winning because you got to lead you you got to be a soul winner you got to have a passion for souls and what's going to happen you, not only are you a soul winner that passion and the fire for souls and the and and the love and the desire is going to jump on other people it's going to become it's going to be contagious amen that's why we have other churches call us all the time can we come to your uh, lead, uh, soul winning training get the script and and get the methodology so we can lead people to the lord and you can try, but it ain't never going to work. You know why? Because you all not, don't have any fire. You can't take a bunch of dead people to go win souls. <laughs> you don't have any revival in your life. You have a one-hour dry cleaning service on Sunday morning, and you want to win souls, and you want to send people over here, and then you get upset with us because we lay hands on them, and the fire of God hits them. Why? Well, we came for training. That's the training. <laughs> not the soul-winning script. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Isn't that right, Dory? Yeah, they're just looking for a method. <laughs> they want to go preach, but they've never been with Jesus. Jesus, the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Am I telling the truth? How many times have we seen that? They don't want to win souls, but they don't want the fire. Oh, Come, we want revival, but we don't want all that fire stuff. There is no revival without the fire. It's like saying, I want a steak, but don't cook it. Don't just don't put it, don't bring it anywhere near the fire. You know. Hallelujah. So you got to be with Jesus. He called them to be under his leadership first before they could go lead. So you have to learn to follow before you can lead. That's where everybody needs to begin. You have to learn to follow before you lead. And then, you know, I've been a pastor now all these years. And, you know, sometimes you get those people that are kind of natural leaders in the sense, you know, they got that, you know, passion. charisma, passion, personality, but, but they're trying to just lead from that. You can't lead from that. You have to lead from character. And sometimes some of the best leaders that I've seen rise up are the quietest guy that sits in the back. I'll tell you right now, some of the best musicians we've had weren't the ones that Went to music conservatory, was on American Idol, the winner of America's Got Talent. It was the, the guy that just picked up a guitar in church and was, nobody even knew he played. And he just wanted to worship and the power of God came on him. And then, and, then, and then you see them, wow, look at that. And then you got the guy with all the training, but he's just got an arrogance, he's got a attitude and you can't work with those we had a one we had a guy in turkey that was trained in the music government music conservatory concert pianist of the highest level you know 
biggest jerk. <laughs> I mean, he could not work with anybody. He could not work with anybody, and he wouldn't even listen to me. So I said, man, you can't play on our team. So he went and found another church where he pray, played. I guess they tolerated his crap. I don't know. Or maybe they were so desperate they never corrected him. To me, it's more important that he becomes the man that he's supposed to become than what he does for me. Do you understand that? Anyways, right? So people follow for various variety of reasons. And as a leader, your, your influence is going to increase with people. And it's going to expand for different reasons. And people are going to have different reasons for following you as a leader. A leader's effectiveness must increase with time if he's going to attract new people as well as retain present followers and, and raise up other leaders. Amen. So we have to be increasing in leadership all the time. Whatever you maintain goes backwards. You can never maintain. Well, we're doing pretty good. Let's just maintain this. No, it'll actually go backwards. You have to always have new momentum. You have to always be ready to change. You have to always be ready to go. And, of course, change is never easy. There's always going to be people that get used to life group on Thursday night. And they're going to miss the crackers and the cheese. I don't know what to say. I miss the crackers and the cheese. <laughs> I don't know. They might show up. And, what happened to the crackers and the cheese? I'm not coming back. We used to have crackers and cheese on Thursday nights. Because <laughs> we ain't going to have crackers and cheese on Thursday nights anymore. <laughs> I don't know. But I have to go with what the Holy Ghost told, told us to do. Because we're leading. We're gaining ground. We're taking momentum. We're going to the next level. Amen. Amen. So if Jessica would um, help me, um, we're going to look at the five levels of leadership. And the first level of leadership is position. Positional leadership. I mean, this is where everybody starts, you know. The, the cashier at the grocery store, right? The line is closed. You can't come here. It's a leader. It's a leader. Go over there to the other line. That's the one open. They led you to the... I mean, that's leadership, but it's positional. That is the lowest form of leadership. But everybody sort of begins there. But because you lead from a position of rights. You have a right because you've been given a position and, and you've been given a certain level of delegated authority. Obviously, you have to understand that authority always comes from a higher level of authority. So somebody gave you a position and delegated you the right to lead to a certain extent within certain boundaries. You didn't have that position. Somebody gave that to you. So that was delegated. Somebody that had higher position or higher level of influence or authority gave you some authority. And now you're leading from a position of authority and people will follow because they have to. Okay, people will follow because they have to. This is the lowest and the least effective form of leadership. Amen. Because your influence on this level will not exceed, extend beyond the lines of your job description. The only authority you have is what your title gives you. So you're leading from a title. The longer you stay at this level, the higher the turnover rate and the, and the lower the morale of the people will be. So... And this is probably one of the saddest things you find in the church because, I mean, you know, when you come to a new town, you start a church, there's a lot of people that come. And then you end up getting a lot of people that come seeking positions and titles. 
This just comes with the territory. Isn't that right? Yeah. Comes with the territory. I meet them, I'm talking to them, and immediately they're giving me their resume, their CV. Like, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done that. And I'm, I've been serving the Lord for this long and that long and da 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 But unfortunately, the moment you just came to this church, you're starting from, from ground up because we don't know you. We don't know you, just like us. I mean, we came here, started from scratch. Nobody knew us here. I did not have the influence in West Palm Beach that I had in Turkey. In Turkey, I could do a camp meeting, send out emails, and I had pastors flying in from 20 other countries to come to my camp meeting. Why? Because I spent years building that. You come here, seven suitcases, one-way ticket to a town, nobody knows you, and the first lady that shows up, because she heard about it and she went and watched some YouTube videos of me preaching. She thought, oh, Pastor Cor is pretty cool. I'm going to come meet her, Doreen. <laughs> and then she saw the joy and she comes and said, to our helps ministry training, she's the only one there. <laughs> and she brought us a welcome gift and money and said, would you lay hands on me? I want the joy. We prayed for her and she got hit with the joy and the rest is history. But nobody knew us. Nobody knew us. I had to, we, had to, we had to earn the respect. We had to earn the right to speak in the people. We had position, title in a sense, Pastor Corey, River West Palm Beach Church. But didn't, no, that's no different than you know, John Doe to somebody else. You know, so, but you can't lead. And then people will come seeking positions. And I tell them, listen, sit and serve. I don't care what you've done in the past because we don't know you. Bible says, know those who labor among you. And, and I have them all the time. They come, they sit for a while, and they get all fidgety because they want a position. I know they want a position. I'm not, this is not my first rodeo. I can see it on their forehead. They want a position. They want a position. And we go, I got a position for you. Will you become an usher or a catcher? Oh, it's too. No, that's, I need a bigger position. Well, what? You go, go ahead and just let me resign and you become pastor then. No, you got to, I mean, you got you to gotta, you gotta work your way up. You got to prove yourself. You got to serve. And they'll come and sit and they never serve. They don't serve. And we give them opportunities. We, we call on them. Would you do this? Would you do that? I mean, we, and then, you know, we got to test them too. We got to prove them. We got to see how their attitude is. We got to see how they're with people and everything. But they don't want to serve. They want to sit. And they want to keep giving me their resume, and they're looking for a title and a position, and it is never going to happen here at this church. I will not give people positions or titles to keep them here. Because that's, that attitude stinks, and they will hurt people. Because it's all about them. And they'll leave here. They'll go to another church. They'll sit there for another six months, a year, look for a title position. They won't get it there. They'll go to another one. They'll go to another one. And until they finally get something somewhere, which won't last very long, because if you stay in that position, your leadership will never grow. And you'll never really, really be effective. You'll only be effective for a season because somebody gave you a position or a title. So we cannot lead from positional leadership. Obviously, you, know, you got the usher badge on. You have a position. That's your assigned seat. What number is that? Seven. Can you stand, please? Usher number seven. Also known. <laughs> you do have a name. I know that. If you, 
Sherry, also known as Sherry. Stand if you can, but <laughs> she got a badge, she got a position, she got a title, usher. She got a position, seat number seven, usher station number seven, and she leads and she said, would you please sit here or don't go there, you can't, you know, whatever. You know, it's a position of leadership, but she's serving. And it's, to, to her, it's not about position. I'm sure you're not doing this tonight because you were looking for a position. You're doing it to serve. And you're also not doing it because you're required in the Bible school. You, you're doing it because you love Jesus. <laughs> it's the most basic form of leadership. And you don't even maybe realize, but you actually are in a leadership position tonight. And you have a responsibility because leadership is responsibility. And people who don't want to take responsibility will never be leaders. And I see them all the time. They want to be a leader, but they don't want responsibility. How can you become a leader if you will not take? And the higher level, higher you go in leadership, the more responsibility you will have. And, you know, I mean, your responsibility tonight is not a matter of life and death. But there are certain levels of leadership. One wrong decision could lead to a life decision of life and death for people very critical decision right I mean you were a weather officer in the Air Force and you had to tell them you had to tell them and the pilots I'm sure they wanted to fly and there were times you had the authority to override them and say no you can't fly because of the weather conditions isn't that right sir and you had to override them and stop it because and if you made the wrong decision it could it could you could lose a whole aircraft and a crew and it was a critical decision but an usher, you know, passing a bucket is not necessarily a critical decision in that regards. And you had a very grave responsibility. And, and, and the decision you made was very, very critical. And, 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 you know, so there are positions. So you have to understand that. The greater the leadership and, and the authority, greater the responsibility. And you have to be willing to take responsibility. You have to be willing to take responsibility to grow as a leader. People who don't take responsibility will never grow as a leader. They'll be stuck. Some people have never even make it to level one. They literally just take up space in a church. They just come and sit and they've been Christians for 5, 10, 15 years and they just like a pot of plant in the church. Sunday morning Christian is usually what we call them, right? Every other Sunday morning Christian or once a Sunday, once a, once a month Sunday Christian. Come on, it's just not, not true. We've seen them all, right? How come they never grow up spiritually? Because they never take responsibility. They never connect. And they think that they're going to grow from, they're going to grow by going from church to church to church and hearing better sermons. No. Hallelujah. I mean, I don't know of any, a better teacher than Jesus. <laughs> Come on. And one of them never learned. Judas. And, and I, actually, most of them. One day, there was a whole crowd, and Jesus said, you got to eat my you know, flesh, drink my blood. And they all left him, except 12. So, you know. So this is a positional leadership. You have a right to lead. And people will follow you because they have to. But, but it's not effective in the long term. Amen. Now, let me just tell you this. As an usher, let's say there's the fire alarm goes off. In your training, you jump up and you literally grab people and push them out the door. Go this way. Go this way. It's not time to be courteous. 
Um, hello, my name is Sherry, and I'm so glad that you came to our church today. I'd like to introduce myself. They're going to die. You're going to have to probably yell and scream and grab him. And I mean, you know, and you know what? They're not going to get offended, probably. If they do get offended, there's something's wrong with them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Come on, go this way. Go. Well, you were yelling at me. Please don't yell. Okay, stay and burn. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, you know. <laughs> they have, they're going to follow you because they have to. Otherwise, they're going to burn or something. I don't know if there's a real fire, you know. I mean, if you're in an airplane and the stewardess comes in and says, you know, assume the position and, and, and mask drop, grab the mask, put, you know, you're going to do it. I don't feel like it. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> so there, are, there is going to be a time to lead that way, but you realize you can't lead like that every day as an usher. On a normal day, you have to be nice, courteous, smile, greet, welcome. What is your name? How are you? You know. But when there's a fire, you don't care what their name is. They don't care what your name is. You know... <laughs> You know the way out, and you're going to show them. There it is. There's the exit. Run! You know. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you can't lead like that. You can't function like that as an usher. Because <laughs> they will leave and never come back. And you'll lose your position. <laughs> and the right to, to lead. Amen. I'm trying to keep it, you know, make it practical, simple, but that's what it is. That's why you have to go to the second level of leadership in your growth. You have to grow into the second level of leadership. Jessica. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, and the second level of leadership is permission. Permission. Not position, but permission. And you're not leading from rights. You're, reading from, you're not leading from rights. You're leading from relations. Or relationships. People follow you because they want to. Why? Because you've built a relationship. They trust you. Uh, you know, you've influenced their life in a positive way. They've seen you. They've seen your character. They've seen your abilities. And there's a level of trust that's been earned. And so they want to lead you. I mean, they want to follow you. And they give you the permission to lead them. Notice this has nothing to do with the titles or positions. You've developed the relationship. You've... You've, you've added value to someone's life, right? And they've seen your character. They've seen you and, and they've seen, you know, and, and so they like you. They like you. They trust you. They see value. They see the anointing on you. They see ability. They see the skill, the character, the skill, and the strategy, and they want to follow you. That's where we need to get to. That's where we need to get to. I went to preach in a church. There was a man there. He was the pastor with the title. There was another person in the church who didn't have any titles or positions. And I looked and I said, that's the pastor. He's actually doing the work. The other guy has the title. This one's actually doing the work. And you'll find that sometimes somebody will get a position or a title. But somebody else actually is leading because they're developing the the relational side of things and that's important 
and people will follow you because they want to. Now, people will follow you beyond your stated authority. You're not telling them, well, it's because of my position. No. You, they actually will follow you, not because of your stated level of authority, but because of the level of trust. This allows work and ministry to be fun and joyful. Why? Because you're not living in a, in a strife-filled, competitive, dominating, pushing, pulling, conniving, manipulative environment. And when we deal with people that have come out of those environments, and I mean, one couple that came to our church, they were telling me what it was like, where they came from. I thought, to myself, oh my God, that's not even a church, that's a cult. Literally, people couldn't even poop <laughs> unless they had the bishop's blessing or something. Crazy stuff you deal with. Crazy stuff. He'd go to a service and go, you and you, you are to be married tonight. I heard there's a bunch of couples in the church like that that were married. Didn't even know each other. Can you believe that? No wonder it's a mess. And I mean, think... Arranging marriages. So you have to earn the right to lead. And, and when there is peace and people add value to one another, the relations are healthy and strong, then it's going to be fun and joyful. Amen? Here's another caution for this level though. That's wonderful to get to that level, but you can't stay at that level. Because there are higher levels than that. Caution is if you stay too long on this level without rising, you will cause highly motivated people to become restless. Because they don't want to just sit around and have nice time drinking coffee and relational fellowship. Some churches are like that. You go, it's all fellowship, 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 fellowship. But where's the move of the Holy Ghost? Where's training people up? Where's releasing people in the ministry? Where's equipping and empowering people? So you can't just build, because that will just be, they'll be just a very small church. And most house churches are like that. 10, 15, maybe 20 people in a house church. And it's all just relation, relation. Relation is wonderful, but then you're never going to grow into a ministry in that place. All you're going to have is just fellowship and a Bible study. Because there's, no there's no vision. <laughs> the only vision is to come together and, and have fellowship and a Bible study. And eat, eat a dinner or something afterwards. Well, what's, the, is, what's the vision? Where's the vision? No new people get saved. Nobody's, you know, everybody's a pastor. They're pastoring each other. Are you kidding me? So who's the pastor? Who's, you know, so that's never going to, you know, you have to grow. So, you know, a lot of people, um, they like that, you know, because they're looking for something. They go to some house church. But you know what? After about a year, they're like, you know what? I need to get in a real church. If they have any kind of desire to really grow and do something more for God, they're going to realize eventually that, and they'll actually, I've heard it, I needed to get into a real church. <laughs> I've been in a house church, you know, it's wonderful, we have friendships and we love one another, we encourage one another, but I need to get into a real church. I need to really grow. I'm not growing there. I, want, I need to learn the word. I need to do more in ministry than make coffee. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Anybody been in a situation like that? Okay. 
So uh, it's, it's wonderful. You, you, there's permission. Obviously, people go there. They're giving each other permission or whatever. And there's relationships. And they, they want to. But highly motivated people, people that really want to rise up and do more and grow more are going to become restless. That's why you got to move to the next level of leadership, which is level three, production. Production. Now, this is based on results. People follow because of what you have done for the organization or the church. This is where success is sensed by people. They like you, what you're doing. There's a vision. There's a direction. There's clear vision. There's clear direction. Vision isn't changing every three months. Amen. The message isn't changing every six months. You know, there's clear vision. There's clear direction. There are goals. We're able to look forward into the future. Things are laid out before people. They can see where we want to go. Amen. And um, problems are fixed with little effort because of momentum. Because people sense godly success for the church. They sense the anointing. They sense a divine stirring they sense a divine move they sense that the holy spirit is there he's moving he's building he's he's adding he's changing he's pouring and touching people and people are being raised up people are being um, anointed and fire is coming on them and they're they're sensing and there there's vision there and they want to they want they're told that they need to connect with god's vision for their lives and rise up and do more and, and believe God for bigger things. Come on, it's not what we keep preaching here. Yeah. And so highly motivated people, it's a great environment for people that truly want to grow and accomplish things for the kingdom of God. So there's production. There are results. And God is all about results. Make no mistake, God is all about results. Faith always has to have results. If your faith isn't producing results, then it's not faith. So there has to, your faith has to have a goal. Your faith has to aim for things. Your faith has to always be engaged. You know, you hit one target, then you go move on to the next one. You hit one target, then you move on to the next one. You hit another target, you move on to the next one. One thing Pastor Rodney always taught, taught me was he said, you can only engage your faith on one big thing at a time. So when I got involved with the, you know, the building project in Turkey, because, you know, it was happening, not happening, happening. When it finally happened, I mean, it Three months, it took a lot of my faith to be targeted. Amen. And then right in the middle of it, you know, uh, a land opportunity came up, and I started talking to architects and other things, but and I felt like, man, I can't really focus my faith on this. So let me finish Turkey. And I said to the Lord, Lord, if that's for us, it'll be there when I come back. And it's still there. And they were trying to put pressure on me. We need a decision. Hold up. I'm flowing in the Holy Ghost. Now I can focus my faith on that one. Because you, you can't, you, your faith, you can't try to engage your faith on too many big things. You, it won't work. You have to engage your faith on Goliath, then go after his brothers. You have to engage your faith, take out the bear, then you take out the lion, then you go take out Goliath. 
You can't take up the bear, the lion, the Goliath at the same time. The first time you try it, it won't work. Your faith and, and your faith is going to grow as a result of you applying your faith. And then now you can apply your faith on something bigger. I mean, when we got into this building project, it was the biggest building project I had ever done. It seemed big then. Now I look back on it like, wow. It was actually a small project. Because the next one will be a bigger project. And the one after that will be a bigger project. And then, so you have to, your faith has to be engaged. You have to have targets. You know, you can't believe God for a million dollars if you've never been able to believe God for a thousand dollars. And then have it come in. But then now when you got the thousand, like, okay, now I'm going to believe God for the 10,000. And then the 10,000 comes in. Okay, now I'm taking my faith to the 100,000 level. Now I'm taking my faith to the million level. Then you hit a million, and it's like, wow, I can now actually believe God for 10 million because I've actually seen the million now. Amen. And what seemed like, you know, when, when you're starting out in the ministry, you're believing God for $20. Now what, what, what's $20 going to do for this church? Buy a couple of rolls of toilet paper. If that even, even how much is toilet paper? Not even that probably. How much is toilet paper? Eggs. <laughs> Maybe three eggs or something. I don't know. So, so you grow, you grow, you grow. Results, production increases, your faith. And then other, see what's happening is there's momentum. There's other people rising up and also using their faith. And, and it's not just the faith of one person engaged. It's not one chasing a thousand. It's two chasing ten thousand. And it's more and more. And there's a momentum and there's, there's production and there's people catching the vision. And there's people seeing, man, I can also rise up in leadership. And I can also rise up in ministry. And I can believe God for big things also. And God can anoint me and God can use me. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Is this making any sense? Yes. Is this helping anybody here tonight? Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. We want to give people opportunities to rise up and, and, and be all that God's called them to be, but not at the expense of character, not at the expense of other things. Things have to be in line. Everything has to be, you know, if you want to grow and remember, realize every level is going to require much, much, much stronger and healthier character. It doesn't take much character to be in the parking lot and guide people you have a position park here park there but now when you start in the lead teams and groups you have to have developed a certain level of character and then if you're going to rise up beyond that your character has to also be growing and unfortunately sometimes people desire to move up higher but their character is not growing because your gift will make a way for you but your character will keep you in the way and a lot of times people Unfortunately, especially because of the way the culture here is, not so much, you go to other countries, not as much, because it's, you know, this is the land of opportunity, guys. Anyone can be any, anybody they want, right? This is America. That's the American dream, and it's wonderful. That entrepreneurial spirit, the spirit of let's go, let's go for it, that's wonderful, and it's amazing. That's why this nation has accomplished more and created more wealth than any other country on the planet. More innovation has come out of America, more uh, uh, education has come more opportunity has come more uh, um, more innovation has come out of this because that's what that's the kind of culture that you have to have to cultivate because this ain't North Korea the only thing you have a right to do is wear a, a brown pajamas and push buttons that they tell you push this button that's it 
You can't do anything more than that. And here's a couple of crumbs for you to survive because that's no innovation is going to come out of that kind of environment. So that's come. But then also that can bring a false thing because also more corruption has come out of America than any other country because of the money and the greed, right? So it could be a double-edged sword because it's the land of opportunity for the honest man. It's also the land of opportunity for the dishonest man. <laughs> freedom can go both ways. Freedom can be freedom to serve God and freedom can be freedom to serve the devil. So it can become a double-edged sword. In the same way, in leadership, it can become a double-edged sword. If your gift has provided an opportunity for you, but your character isn't growing to, to keep that gift, you know, pure and to be a blessing. And if the character isn't there, then there'll be a fall. That's why we see so many leaders fall because the character cracks in the character. Amen. So this is wonderful production. There's results. There's a, uh, there's a sense of um, accomplishment. There's a sense of excitement, momentum. Uh, people are finding opportunity. People are growing. People are learning. God's touching them. God's moving in their hearts. They're excited. Uh, they see that they can also rise up. They see that God can also use them. And, and it creates basically an environment of results. Fruit. Results equals fruit, fruit equals result. Jesus said, said, I want you to bear much fruit and fruit that remains. And how does fruit remain? Character. Because any tree or any branch that doesn't bear fruit, which is character, is going to be cut. So the branch is, is what holds it together. There has to be fruit on the branch. If he's the vine, we are the branches. For the branch to remain, the branch has to be fruitful. And Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits, which is character. So we have to be cultivating godly character. And then that has to be fruit of character on the branches. It has to remain. So we can't, uh, we can't, um, what you, what's the word I'm looking for? We can't substitute gift for character. That's very important to understand. We can't substitute gift for character. Well, look at my gifts. No, no, no. Jesus said, look at their fruit. Okay? And, and a powerful encounter with God. It's wonderful. It's where it starts, but it's not enough. Just because you had a powerful encounter with God doesn't mean you've arrived. You still have to pay the dues. David had oil poured on him as a teenager by the great prophet Samuel anointed as king but how many years was it almost what 30 something years later he he finally 20 20 20 23 or 22 it was something like that he finally was and even after Saul died he still didn't go said I'm king he waited for them to call him and recognize that David come on you are anointed as king would you please come and become king he wasn't looking for, ah, there's my opportunity. Finally, that old man Saul, that devil is dead. That's it. I'm going in. Hey, guys, I'm the king. Remember? No, he didn't even do that. What? A, see, tale of two different kings. You guys will be reading the tale of three kings in the Bible school starting next week when I, I teach on authority and submission because we, we need to understand. That's the second book. 
It's mandatory. It's a short one. They'll read it. Look at the tale of Saul as a king and look at the tale of David as a king. Saul was threatened trying to kill the other one, throwing spears and javelins at him, you know, being jealous when the people were saying Saul has killed his hundreds, but David has killed his thousands, you know. And so he tried to get rid of him. And so, so David, he had to escape. Huge, huge, huge lessons to be learned. And, and David's character was formed in the cave. Characters formed in the cave. <laughs> in the secret place. Sometimes when you're hiding. When nobody sees you. Because personality on the outside is who you are. Character is who you are in the secret place in the cave. When nobody sees you. That's who you really are. So like I said, there could be a lot of people that are very charismatic. Their personality is attractive. And people are drawn to them because of that natural magnetism and stuff. But, and people will follow them. But that's how cults form. It becomes a cult of personality. But the character is really what we have to be focused on. That's what God sees. See, man sees on the outside. God sees on the heart. Amen? Let's go to the next level, the fourth level. And by the way... By the way, each level, go back to level one. Go back to level one. Each level takes longer to grow in. So level one growth here could be, you know, a shorter period of time. Go to level two. This will take, this will be, this will take longer. Level three is going to take even longer. That's why, you know, you can't just, you know, reach level three a month after being in West Palm Beach. Do you understand me? It takes time. The longer you are at a level, the longer it takes to get to the next level. And the, the more the work, the more the responsibility. Because now we're talking about production, results, people being mobilized, people growing. And, and, you know, and sometimes you have to go through 1,000 people before you find the Gideon's 300. Sometimes you have to go to 30, 32,000 people to find the 300 that are going to win the battle. Gideon was like, man, I got 32,000, Lord. Um, yeah, I'm looking out there. I think only three of them are any good. <laughs> and he, and he, he takes him through these different tests to find the 300 that were ready to go, that had what it took. And he says, I got, okay, you got your 300. Now go. Watch me work. Amen. So Jesus had his multitudes. Then he had the 70. Then he had the 12. Then he had the three. Then he had the one. So the, the further you go in leadership, it's like the narrower kind of the tunnel or the, the road gets. And the higher you rise up in leadership, the narrower the margin of error. Do you understand me? And the narrower your decisions, your decisions are very narrow. You can't do the things you used to do 20 years ago. Do you understand? What I mean? And some leaders don't realize that. They're leaders of mega churches. They go out drinking. You can't do that. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't really say, well, I go to hell if I drink. No, but all your people will. Because you're leading them to hell. Because what you do in moderation, they will do in excess. Because you're giving them a license to do that. So your freedoms are not freedoms. 
You're not free to do everything. The higher you rise in leadership, the less freedom you have, the less choices you have. I'll be honest with you. And, and leaders that don't realize that, they cause destruction. And they sabotage their own ministry because they, they don't realize that the boundaries, yes, Lord, enlarge my territory. Territory of leadership has enlarged, but personal, personal territory is even narrower. Amen. I mean, you can work at McDonald's and cuss somebody out and you won't lose your job. But you become a pastor, you cuss somebody out. That's different. You become president. Oh, I'm sorry, president. I was going to say president of the United States. but Because, yes, we're talking about leadership crisis. Crisis of leadership. People at the highest levels. They, they, they exercise their freedom to enrich themselves. And it's supposed to be the other way around. You have to personally bring your, you know, boundaries of freedom tighter when you rise up in spiritual leadership. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next level. Fourth level, people development. And this takes a long, long time. This ain't going to happen in three months. Pastor Rodney last week was talking about, and I had the same exact thing. He said, one guy graduated Bible school. Three months later, he was an apostle. I had the same thing happen. We had a guy in Istanbul. He finished Bible school. He said, would you release me to go preach? He went and preached a few places. And then two months later, I see the picture. He's at a church. They're giving him a big, uh, like a sculpture statue, like a, what you, like a bust, apostle. I wasn't even calling myself an apostle, even though I am one. The guy was already an apostle. Three months out of Bible school, and I'm releasing him to go preach. He preached in like four or five churches. All of a sudden, he's an apostle. I mean, it's crazy. And, and, this, and, and another church is promoting him on stage. They're creating a monster. And he became, came back, and he was a monster. When I tried to talk to him, his marriage was a mess. When I tried to bring him in, I said, you, you need to go. I need to stop this. You need to take six months off the ministry and fix your marriage. He took, he took such an offense to me. He left and he took a bunch of people with him. And his marriage fell apart. His son is, who knows what's going on with his young boy at the time now, growing up teenager, serving the devil. And he has basically no ministry now. No ministry. And he thought he was the rising star, you know. And I told him, I said, I'm here to help you. And he thought I was, I was trying to hinder him. You know how many people t have taken offense with me because they thought that I was trying to block their way or hinder them. I was actually trying to help them and save them. But they, they won't listen. They won't listen. Jesus called them to be with him. Then sent them out to preach. I'm, I'm calling you to be with me. Listen, learn. When it's time, I'll release you to preach. I have no, no problem with people preaching, but it's got to be done decently and in order. It's got to be done the right way in God's timing and everything. And you got to be ready. If you think you're ready and you're the people, that God has, uh, God, uh, the people that God has placed in your life to lead you are telling you to wait, then something is wrong. Okay? If they're truly godly people who love you, who have your best interests at heart then you got to listen so people development 
reproduction this takes a long long time when you reproduce yourself in other people that that, that can't happen overnight that, and that can't even happen in one or two years of bible school that's why just because you got a paper certificate doesn't mean you're ready now you're in the school of hard knocks now you're in the school of the spirit you're always learning you're always growing people development people follow because of what you have done for them people follow because of what you've done for them this is very long range this is where long range growth occurs your commitment to developing leaders will ensure ongoing growth to the church and to the individuals so I as a leader have to be committed to the long-term investment and they as someone that's an emerging leader have to be committed to the long-term long term both parties have to come to an agreement that this is going to be a long-term commitment to one another if I'm committed then I'm expecting the other commitment from that person or if they're committed I'm expecting the commitment from my leader if my leader isn't interested being committed then there has to be a commitment on both sides there has to be a mutual understanding this is a long-term thing this is a long-term process we're in this thing together for the kingdom until Jesus comes amen because this is where people development happens reproduction you're actually reproducing yourself in others this is duplication or we can call it multiplication so you're not just growing followers you're growing leaders growing followers is easy growing leaders is hard it's easy to get a crowd together just do some giveaways give out away flat screen ipads this place will fill up how many times have we filled up this place what happens to them they come for the the free fish and the bread and then when you call them to be committed they're gone it's not about gathering crowds growing crowds it's about growing leaders that's where the this is this is where the real success will happen and because it takes time it takes commitment and the funnel gets narrower and narrower it's not as easy but this is where real success real growth real breakthroughs happen so we have to be committed to the process long term to reproduce leaders of quality and character that have impeccable character unshakable faith strong godly character they're connected they know how to submit they know how to lead they know how to follow when they need to follow they know how to lead when they need to lead and you never stop being a follower you never stop being a follower the moment you stop being a follower something has gone wrong if you're at the if you feel you're at the top of the pyramid it's not a good place to be you always have to be accountable and you always have to you always have to be to, to be led so this is where uh, long-term growth happens and it takes much much longer to get to this as you can see from the positional leader you know position of an usher today you're an usher tomorrow you're an apostle it doesn't work that way 
it takes it takes a long time even from the time god called young saul it took 17 years before he actually was sent out on his first apostolic missionary journey from antioch with barnabas 17 years and then the first missionary journey was short the shortest one second was a little bit longer third one was even longer think about that the fourth one was really long eternal because he was beheaded in rome <laughs> i want to be a leader your final position of leadership you'll be beheaded in rome after you testify to caesar yes Because that leads you to level five. Level five. Personhood. People follow you because of who you are and what you represent. At this point, you're a nobody. And you're a somebody. You're everything and you're nothing. This has taken a lifetime of developing this. Very few, very, very few reach this level. This step is reserved for leaders who have spent years growing people and organizations. Few make it to this level. This is the kind of level where no, they don't even know you, but when your name is mentioned, there is a respect. And when you write a book, people want to read it, even though they don't know you. They have no relationship with you. You've done nothing for them, but you become a person. You have had such an impact. Now people realize okay this is someone that we will follow we're going to study after him we're going to read him if he shares a vision yes we're on board with it because this this person represents decades and decades of touching nations developing people um, leading and and so forth do you understand what we're talking about you know so obviously very few people people few people will reach this level and at this level usually they'll try to kill you because they can't fire you they can't really even um try to defame your character they, they'll try to kill you it's true the only way to get rid of you at this point would be like to kill you so we talked about you okay oh all right so um we have a little bit more time you want to go a little bit longer yes. another 15 yes no yes. three people the rest yes. okay it's just really boring huh so obviously we can give examples from the bible of positional leadership uh one like I said, this is the position of leadership. If you go to one, back to one, is the lowest level of influence for a leader. Leader must rely on their title to get people to follow them. There's nothing wrong with titles, again, or positions. I'm not saying this is wrong. But if you have to have a title for people to follow you, something is wrong. Jesus never had a position or a title, yet he had a huge influence through building relationships. What's that? Mama? Building relationships, meeting needs, offering hope. His authority came from God and the life that he lived, not from an assigned position or a title. Because they kept asking him, what is your position? What is your title? Who are you? 
<laughs> you know. He never claimed a position or a title or anything. He just claimed, I'm doing my father's business. Who's this father? Show us. You've seen me, you've seen the father. By whose authority do you do, do, you do these things? Oh, look at him. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. He speaks with such authority, not like the Pharisees who had all the titles and the positions and everything and all the accolades that came with it. A humble carpenter who eats with dirty hands but then lays those dirty hands on a dead person and they're raised back to life because of the anointing and the purity of everything in his life, you know. So an example of someone that tried to lead from uh, a biblical example would be, you can study this out, Rehoboam. Rehoboam. When Solomon died, Rehoboam took over as king of Israel. He was so power hungry and acted so foolishly. You know what he did? He got rid of all the wise elders of his father. And he listened to his stupid little brat young friends. <laughs> First Kings chapter 12, 7 through 8. If you will be a servant to this people today, they said, then they will be your servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the elders and listened to his young friends who knew nothing, who had done nothing. Be careful who you listen to. And he actually, he's, he's, he actually became the one responsible for the kingdom being divided into two. He caused division and strife, the northern and southern kingdoms. He never moved past leading from a mere title or position. And anybody who challenged his title or position, he had him killed. He was the lid. The law of the lid. Leadership ability determines a person's level of effectiveness. Second one we can look at from permission is Nehemiah. Nehemiah. They didn't know him. He didn't have any position or title. He just had a burning desire to go back and to rebuild the walls. When he heard that the walls were not built in Jerusalem, he said, and, and you know, he cried out to the Lord. And he, he moved from the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a great book on leadership, by the way. You should study how Nehemiah led. He showed up, everything's a mess. People didn't even want to listen to him or whatever. But he got a strategy on how to, how to, how to fix the problem. And he mobilized people to build the wall. Hammer in one hand, right? Or, you know, and then sword in the other hand. And, huh? Yeah, so. Yeah. So. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. You see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burnt with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to the good work, saying the God of heaven himself will prosper us. So, I mean, he rallied and mobilized he just showed up on the scene nobody knew him but man he motivated and mobilized through a relationship and of course even though he had no title or position he communicated trust and credibility they chose to follow him out of devotion rather than duty and he cast vision before them for unity experiencing a mere relationship without producing any results for a church or an organization will eventually fail 
to motivate people to make sacrifices, take risks, and follow. You can't just build relationships for the sake of building relationships. Those relationships have to produce results. That's very important to understand. The relationships, because these are investments. You're pouring your time, effort, energy into it. It's got to bring results. And there's been people I've poured into them. I've helped them. And, and, and they reached a point where I wasn't getting the results. And I'm not going to waste my time anymore. I'm serious. I'll find others that will produce results. Because, I mean, my time is limited. My energy, my effort, it, it can't be wasted. You can't pass your pearl before uh, uh, swine and give what's holy to the dogs. I'm sorry to say, but some people just come to waste your time. Anybody have, have those people that just come nothing but to drain them, suck their time, energy? No, 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 no. Your time is very valuable. It has to be, you, it can't be wasted. It has to be invested. It has to be invested in the right people that will produce results. And sometimes people produce results for a time, but then they stop, then you have to move on. And I've told people sitting here and other places in church, I said, you're going to get passed up if you don't fix these attitudes and other issues. I've tried to help you. I've talked to you about this for the 10th time now. Now it's time you have to deal with this. Because if you don't, you can't rise from that where you're stuck in leadership. Because there is more that God has for you, but you have to grow. You have to grow. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, some of you, your kids, you love them, but man, you pray for them on your knees, crying out before the Lord, but man. Okay. Is this good? The, the third level, I could give you so much more, but production, people will follow because of what you've done for the organization. David. David is a great example of this production. They want to see results. He showed up. He produced results. He took out Goliath. And then people wanted to follow him. At this level, you will not only enjoy a relationship with the leader, but you will also enjoy the results the leader has produced. So you actually become a part of, part of the success because it's teamwork. At this point, at this level, leaders developing teams. Teamwork makes the dream work. You get to production results by developing teams. So everybody shares the success. It's not about the success of one man. It's everybody succeeding together. That's the key to this level. That's where leadership starts to really produce results. We got to be together. We work together. And everybody shares the success. It's not one man getting all the accolades and, and the wonderful job you did no everybody did it together it's not me 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 i i it's we 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 us us amen hallelujah david is an example of course we can look at that um and he was a leader as a good leader he offered a clear vision to unite his people as a good leader, he put God's agenda first, and he seek to please God. As a good leader, he solved problems and produced results. As a good leader, he built teams who shared responsibility and credit. David's mighty man, right? By the way, going back to um, permission was the law of connection. Leaders touch a heart before they ask for a hand. The law of respect in the production 
people naturally follow a leader stronger than themselves. So we have to become strong leaders because the world is looking for strong leaders, actually. Because all we see is weak leadership. It's laughable. The level of leadership coming out of D.C. is laughable, isn't it? It's laughable. The level of leadership we sometimes see around, you know, governmental levels, even church levels, it's laughable. Weak leadership. Church, pastors that shut their churches down over a virus that had a 99.9% or survivability rate and then encouraged their congregants to take the juice that had like, at first had what they said it was like 80% efficacy, then it went down to 60-30. And now they're saying it actually doesn't do anything. But they've accomplished their job. They, they juiced people with a, with a genetic treatment because it, it was all about changing the human genome and weakening the human immune system. Well, now you've got people dropping dead like flies all over the place. And then, of course, now they've come up with an adult sudden death syndrome. And now they're saying that it's because of climate change that people are having heart attacks. This is mainstream media. <laughs> I can go on and on and on, but I'm not going to. And then weak leadership. Terrible, terrible. Weak leadership makes me sick. Weak leadership. We need strong leadership. And some people can't handle strongly. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm a strong leader. And I want to be even strong. I mean, my name is strong, by the way. I don't know if you knew. My Turkish name means strong. I wasn't like this though, man. I was very insecure. I was very insecure about myself. I mean, if you see me 20 years ago, my Lord. And every, everything toughened me up. And I'm sure I got even bigger battles coming up. But you have, to be, you have to be strong. And some people don't like it, but that's fine. Strong leadership keeps this church clean, trust me. Because they can't come in here and manipulate me to get what they want. And suck money out of my people. I threw, I threw a guy out of here because he was coming with a Ponzi scheme. I said, you will not come here anymore and talk to my people. If, you, if I see you here again, I'll, I'll have security throw you out. If not, I'll call the police on you. He was coming around here with some Ponzi scheme, investment scheme with people. And some of them, a few of them have snuck in without my knowledge. And a few people got hurt. But as soon as I find out about it, I'll put a stop to it. Amen. You have to protect the people. These are crazy times. Not going to let some prophet come in here, some apostle come in here, Jezebel, and influence the people. You have a responsibility. You have to be a strong leader. And you got a lot of weak leadership who won't deal with these people. They let them do whatever they want, and oh, we got to love them. While you're loving them, they're wreaking havoc. My Lord. Anyways, how did we get on that one? <laughs> number four is people development. I still have three minutes. Number, number four is people development. Greatest example is Paul. Just at this level, a leader gains a new level of authority. He has personally impacted the lives of his team. He has poured his life into others. He's not only been a minister, but been a mentor to others. He has developed the potential of key people 
on this level, a leader produces, reproduces his life, multiplication occurs. As he wrote to Timothy, right? 2 Timothy 2, 2. What did he say? And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He's thinking, he's thinking four generations, me, you, and the two generations after you. This is generational leadership. This is about like, I'm going to be gone one day, Paul's like. My, my life is being poured out as a drink offering. But Timothy, Titus, Luke, I've raised you guys up now. Now you raise up others who will raise up others. Because he knew if he dies, is it over? Thank God he did what he did. 2,000 years later, we're still here. Because there were other generations of leaders after him. But then you see what happens if you study church history. We looked at it, remember, in, in Bible school. I mean, and by about 300 A.D., there were no, no more generational leaders. And then we go into the dark ages. So that's why we have to raise up the next generation of leaders. I challenged people at KBF your Tuesday night. I said, you might be a business person, but you need to mentor younger people in business. Because not everybody's called to ministry. Find young people in this church that are, have a call of God on, for business, entrepreneurship. Raise them up under you. Mentor them. I put the challenge out to, to KBF, to our business people. I said, because that's not me. I'm, I'm raising people up for ministry. You guys need to raise up people for business. And make sure that you keep these people from going the wrong way. They don't chase after money. And youth follow youthful lusts as the Bible warns them. Help them, train them. Older men teaching the younger men. Older women teaching the younger women. And that's the, we have a huge generational gap. Hallelujah. And young people respect your elders. And elder people see the value in the younger people. They're not just a bunch of punks. Even though they sometimes look like it and act like it. There's value in them. God has great things for them. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Paul referred to Timothy as his true son in the faith. 1 Timothy 1-2. What happens is at this level you have to attract and select sharp potential leaders. And you have to be selective. Mentor and develop them as emerging leaders. Give them assignments to prove their potential. Release them to serve and reproduce other leaders. This is the process that's going to really cause the real growth and the real strength. And then personhood, of course. Uh, we can give Samuel as an example. Uh, when Samuel showed up, whole city stopped. <laughs> like when, when Samuel was coming to a town, everything stopped. Samuel is coming. <laughs> you know, he was the prophet he was, you know, the priest and really the king even in a sense. But he anointed kings. He appointed and anointed kings. Amen. So Samuel, that's why we got two books about him. First Samuel three nineteen through 20. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let, let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel... From Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. The entire nation knew who he was. 
even though they never met him. Hallelujah. He was a faithful servant of the Lord. He was an example of a, lived, of a life lived with integrity, a consistent producer of leaders over the years. He brought up kings and brought down kings, basically. Amen? Hallelujah. Is this good? Let me give you seven steps to climbing the steps of leadership in closing. First step, the higher you go, the longer it takes. Second step, the higher you go, the higher the level of commitment you have to have to the process. The third step, the higher you go, the easier it becomes to lead. It actually becomes easier to lead because you've built, you've developed, you've invested. Fourth step, the higher you go, the greater the growth. The fifth step, you never leave the base level or the levels below where you are. So you will still always have a positional or title-based leadership. You also have to also have permission level of leadership, the relational. You also have to be um, production-oriented and people development-oriented. As a leader, you won't be on the same level with all of your people. Somebody just walked in first time in church. I just met them. I have nothing but a position or a title. Now, that's Pastor, he, Pastor Corey. He's the pastor of the church. They don't know me. So I'm at the first level. Somebody else that's been around for a while. Some of you all, you've been with us 10 years. Some of you have been with us almost six now five, some four, some three, different levels, more different, more time invested, more work done together and other things, you know, so you won't be at the same level with everybody. So you can't treat everybody at the same level. And also, also, if somebody that's been with me five years or 10 years, I'm going to speak to them differently than somebody just walked in the church. I've spent six years investing in you, five years investing in you. I'm going to Look in the eye, I'm gonna tell you some things I won't tell to the visitor. Because I've spent hours with you, talk to you, talk to you, talk to you. And if you're not gonna to listen to me now, I'm done. Do you understand what I'm saying? So don't belly ache and whine and cry like a baby because you're not a first time visitor here. Hello. Especially if you got that Bible school diploma in your hand, you're gonna wave it. Hallelujah, I got my diploma. Oh, I gave you that diploma. Come here. Let's talk. I don't want to talk. Okay, I'm done. Oh, Jesus. Number seven, you must work to carry other leaders with you up the steps. So we got to help others go up the steps. Sometimes they'll trip over the steps. We got to pick them back up, you know. They get to three, step three and they fall back because it's kind of slippery, icy. Come back up, you know. Okay? So we have to consistently ask God to build. You have to consistently ask God to build you. Let's pray. Lift your hands. Let's pray. Just say, God, build me into a more effective leader. 
God help me to develop confidence in my people's skills. Lord help me to see every relationship I have as a chance to develop that person. Lord help me to walk slowly through the crowds. Lord help me to constantly keep a list of potential leaders in whom I can invest. Lord help me to prioritize discipleship and find ways to train others and pour into their lives. Lord help me to select and mentor next generation of key leaders. Lord help me to live a model life that others would want to imitate. And finally, Lord, I pray that I, that, that I would recognize that people are my most valuable asset. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll put this in the podcast for you to go back and listen. And was this helpful tonight? Thank you, Jesus. This is our philosophy. I believe in everything I shared tonight. I'm working. I'm growing. My goal is to get to level four. And before I die, if the Lord would tell you to get to, to, get to level five. Amen. What is that? A, yeah, a hint? <laughs> leaders are givers. Givers are leaders. Give tonight because you are a leader. Followers have a poverty mindset. Leaders have a prosperity mindset. Because you can't lead out of poverty mindset. Come on. You can't lead out of a poverty mindset. Can you? You can't lead out of a poverty mindset. You can't be a taker and be a leader. You have to be a giver. You have to lay your life down to lead. That's what Jesus said. If you want to be the greatest, you have to be the least. You have to lay your life down. That's the example. So Jesus came to give his life. He came, he came and to give. So we, you have, that's one way you also develop that character of leadership is you've got to be a giver, a generous person, radical in everything you do. Amen. Hallelujah. Because why do we have corrupt leaders? They're out for the take. True leaders will give. Give themselves to the people. Give everything. Want to make sure that the people are blessed, not them. And then as a result, of course, they become in that place of personhood. But all these corrupt leaders... All they want to do is take. It's all about them. It's terrible. Greed. So that what's the opposite of greed? Generosity. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.